Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Jason Howell Company's Speaker Series Zoominars. My name is Jason Howell. I'm wearing my favorite tie, and I'm so happy today to have a wonderful guest. We always have wonderful guests, right? Um, but today I've got Mr. Aaron Tolson, who is CEO of Northern Virginia Food Rescue. Normally, we have organizations that might be a, a little broader in some ways. Maybe they're multi-state, um, multinational, multi all over the world. But I love this conversation today because it is Virginia-centric, in fact, even Northern Virginia-centric. So I'm very excited about that. But before we go to all the Q&A that we're going to have with Aaron, and we're going to be talking about hunger, we're going to be talking about climate change and reducing that through reducing hunger, which is pretty cool. Let's just ask Aaron how his day has been, how he's doing. So if you yeah. would, Aaron, please tell us, how are you? Hey, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on today. Um, I'm good. I'm dry because I've been indoors all day. It's been a very yucky, rainy day here in Northern Virginia, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's great to be here with you. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And I think all the folks who are beeping in are pretty happy that you're here, too. Um, you know, I think I think we've got just about everyone coming in here through. So let's go ahead and start sharing the screen and let's get to know you just a little bit. Right. And here we go. So if all of you who beeped in came to how to fight hunger and climate change, you came to the right Zoominar. I am so happy, as I've said before, to have Aaron Tolson here as our guest. I'm pretty sure he's had a busy day. Right, Aaron? Uh, just a little bit. Yes. Just a little bit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're stealing a really solid, important 30 or so minutes from him that he could otherwise be using but we hope this helps your organization, Aaron. So hang on with us yeah. for a bit. Uh, looking forward to the Q&A. Yeah, Before thanks, we Jason. get there, let's just have a word from our sponsor. And our sponsor is Jason Howell Company. So Jason Howell Company is an independent family wealth management firm run by two owners. I bet you can guess one of them is right here, uh, who consider it their family business. We believe that dual income parents with high achieving kids should feel good about their financial success. We believe they can be community stakeholders as well as stockholders. You have a plan for your life and the causes you believe in. We fit that plan to your finances so you can feel confident, excited, generous, hopeful, and just feel good about your money. My business partner, Doug, and I are both married to patient wives. We still have young kids, and we're dedicated to learning and teaching others about money. Though we're based in Northern Virginia, we serve clients virtually all throughout the United States. So to feel good about your money and learn more about sustainable investing, our unique family governance process, and our topic of the day, philanthropy, which my business partner, Doug, is becoming expert in, just go to jasonhowell.com. And speaking of philanthropy and philanthropy and overall good dudes, uh, let's talk to Aaron. Let's pour the attention over here. So those of you who signed up through the newsletter, you got to see this bio. Let's let's hear a little bit about Aaron Tolson and the life so far. Um, from what I understand, Aaron, some of this got started as you were a part of the AXE program. So tell us about AXE. Yeah, so AXE is a fantastic nonprofit. Um, it stands for Action and Community Through Service. Uh, it's been serving the greater Prince William region uh, for 53 years. Started back in 1969 uh, with a primary focus on food and um, shelter. Um, now they 
still do food and have a homeless shelter um, in the Dumfries Triangle area. Uh, but they also um, provide emergency assistance, uh, utility assistance for families. Um, they provide the domestic violence and sexual assault services for the county. Uh, they have two safe houses for that. Um, they have 24-7 crisis helpline, um, a thrift store in Dumfries, and all the proceeds go right back into the services to support um, uh, folks in Prince William County. So um, ACTS supports upwards of 20,000 people a year experiencing some form of crisis um, in the greater Prince William region. Um, okay. So just a fantastic organization. Yeah, no, that, that's that's terrific to hear. I had not heard of it before having a conversation with you. So I'm glad others have heard of it now. Let's let's get to know you a little bit. Maybe we start sure. with uh, you being an Air Force veteran. Is that a good place to start? That's <laughs> uh, a great place to start. I'm proud okay. of that. Um, yeah, I was a in-flight refueler on the KC-135s. Um, so refueled planes in the air uh, for uh, my service uh, stationed out of Wichita, uh, Kansas. Uh, the 384th Air Refueling Squadron was deployed all around the world, um, refueling aircraft and supporting various types of missions. So it was it was a pretty interesting gig. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. How did you transition from a military career to what looks like, as as anyone who might read through this, uh, all your experiences with you know the <laughs> food and water disaster planning, Virginia Hunger Action Coalition, and then these awards. Uh, I had never even heard of these awards. The Kathy Ellington Award, of course, uh, Alumni Leadership Award. Tell us about that transition. Yes. Uh, so uh, when I got out of the military, I used my GI Bill uh, to go to college. Okay. I got a computer science degree from Strayer University. Um, and from that point until now, I've done a lot of different things, um, been involved, um, in everything from operations with a company to, uh, uh, on staff at a church for eight years doing philanthropy, um, uh, to working as a COO for a cybersecurity company. So I've done a lot of just, uh, different things, but, uh, went through leadership Prince William. Uh, in okay. uh, the 2018 uh, class. And that's where I got that pull back to do philanthropy type stuff again. And that's kind of what led me um, down the road of, of food rescue. Um, but Leadership Prince William, uh, like other leadership programs that are in, you know, Fairfax and Loudon and Fauquier, they're all over the place. Um, it really created some great networking um, of other people in the county. Um, that really have come in handy um, over, over the past couple of years, especially <laughs> with the pandemic. Uh, there's been some really neat collaborations that have happened as a result of that. And through that then led to some of these um, awards uh, for our response um, to the pandemic early on, especially in the food space. Okay. And then at some point you decided to, and then eventually became an author. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> Oh my, yes. Um, so, you know, life happens um, and uh, went through a divorce. And so that was a very, you know, key turning point in my life to really do some self-exploration and, and do some great work on myself. Um, so through that experience, there were things that, that I learned about that I worked through personally. And I combined that with other experiences and things um, in my life and uh, had the idea that I really wanted to kind of get all of this out on paper, um, mostly for my kids. 
um, to sure. kind of as a way to pass along to them the things that I was um, had, had been working through and um, had the idea to combine some of my military experience. Uh, there is a, so you know, the book is 135, which I was on the KC-135. That was the aircraft I flew on in the military. And so those numbers, 135, carry a theme throughout the book uh, where I share a little bit of my military experience as it relates to different aspects of really how do we go from being in codependency more to interdependency. And so that was huge for me personally. But then there's concepts of that that now I carry into my relationships, uh, work relationships with my employees, the value system of our organization. It's kind of embedded in a lot of that. Sounds like a very good book. 135, Turning Codependency into Interdependency. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Now moving right along to fighting hunger and climate change and our questions and answers. If any of you have questions, feel free to throw those in the chat. When I see one of those questions, it'll probably be our next one. I'll, I'll prioritize any audience questions from my own. So please just go to the chat and throw them in there. But Aaron, let me ask you this first one that's queued up. You've done a lot of things. You've had both yeah. military <laughs> service and other kinds of services. Um, yeah. Tell us why hunger out of all of the causes in the world? Yeah, it was very interesting. You know, one of the class days that we had with leadership Prince William uh, was an opportunity to kind of have an experience where you're given a scenario and there's all these different various crisis services that exist around the county and you had to try to find your way to get, you know, your needs met. Um, and through that really discovered how difficult it was for folks in, in our county and our community to really be able to find the services that, that they needed. Um, and that led me on a, on a path of really wanting to do more for the community. And I don't even know how, somehow I read something <laughs> about okay. the disconnect between, you know, 40% of our food is wasted while one in six are hungry. There's a disconnect there. What do you do about that? And so that led me to just on my own, I started exploring this. It's a global problem. And so what are people doing around the world to try to solve that? And that led me to... Um, different technologies, different models, organizations around the United States that are really trying to figure out this problem, the disconnect between food waste and hunger. And um, yeah, through that, um, you know, with a, with a computer science degree background, I'm a little bit of a tech guy. Um, so as I was exploring different models and technologies, nothing really seemed to, to work for me that seemed right, seemed easy, intuitive. Um, and then a Facebook post from a former teacher friend of mine that had moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They did a rescue with 412 Food Rescue and just posted on Facebook. And I saw it. And I was like, this is exactly what I've been looking into. I wow. need to know more. And so that started the whole process of even uh, yeah, understanding their app, their technology, this Food Rescue Hero uh, to mobilize volunteers to pick up the food and then be able to drop it off. Uh, so really, because that's been the issue is how do you get the food from point A to point B? And so it's just been a, that was a very interesting um, journey that I honestly don't even know how it started. <laughs> yeah. And somehow you woke up and you ended up being chief executive officer. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wish it was that I woke up. It was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Period of time. 
Um, but yeah, so we, I, I reached out to Axe um, to see if they would be interested in launching this as a new program um, of their organization. I knew the CEO well. I was involved with the Chamber of Commerce. So I was on the board. So I had good relationships in the community. And uh, so uh, the CEO, Steve Liga, um, the CEO of Imagine, which is a marketing company in Manassas, uh, the three of us kind of began working together to see if we could bring this food rescue hero technology from Pittsburgh to Prince William County. And um, so, yeah, I was actually, I was hired by Axe as the development director and also to launch this as a new program of, of the company. Um, we launched in August of 2019. So I know the past couple of years have been a blur, but that was about six months before the pandemic hit. Okay. <laughs> Food security yeah. went through the roof. So we had launched a technology at the right time we already had great community involvement. Um, I think we had rescued about um, 300,000 pounds of food uh, in, in the first five or six months. Um, 300,000 yeah, pounds of food. 300,000, yeah. That's which a lot. was more than our first year goal in the first five months. Um, but yeah, we knew that eventually if this worked in Prince William County, we would want to expand this throughout the rest of Northern Virginia. But that couldn't happen under Axe because Axe mission is just to serve the residents of Greater Prince Williams. That's Prince William County, Manassas, Manassas Park. So we know eventually we would need to kind of birth another organization out of Axe that could expand into the rest of Northern Virginia. Uh, we thought it was going to be like maybe in five years. Uh, the pandemic obviously sped that up um, with the, the dramatic increase in food insecurity in the, in the entire region. Well, tell us a little uh, bit about these these words we hear a lot: food access, food security, food resiliency. Can you just go through those for us? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so, food access is really uh, the, the ability of someone to walk for fifteen minutes and be able to purchase or get fresh food. Um, so, there's different categories of that when you don't have that access. So, the first one is food deserts. So that's more kind of like just naturally occurring uh, within the geography or landscape of, of, a, of where you live that you, you wouldn't be able to walk for 15 minutes and find fresh food. So um, if you go out to, uh, you know, Fauquier County, some more of the rural counties, you could walk for 15 minutes just to get to the end of your driveway. So you're definitely not going to get to a that's store right. in 15 that's minutes. Right. <laughs> that's an example of like just naturally occurring. There's not fresh food accessible uh, nearby. Uh, but, but then there's also the kind of the opposite of that is food swamps. And that's where there's a ton of food available, but it's all junk food. So if you think about just, you know, fast food chain after fast food chain, there might even be a corner mart um, that's available sure. yeah. that doesn't have the flow of fresh, you know, healthy food. Um, that's available to you. So we call that a swamp. And then you have food apartheid. And that's like a food desert, except for it's been done on purpose through policies, procedures, very intentional um, means um, of, of separating communities, providing resources to one community, but not providing it to another. Um, we still see the effects of that um, throughout Virginia. Um, it's very obvious in D.C. where a ward has, you know, five grocery stores and the next ward over has zero. You can see and go back and see the disparity and how it was intentionally created. So those are things that we're aware of as we're looking at food access is we want everybody to have equitable access to food. So regardless of, of, of any circumstance, 
you ought to be able to have access to healthy food. And so part of what we're doing is trying to make sure that people have uh, good food access. And then you have food security up there. I'll just keep rolling. <laughs> Please go right ahead. Um, so food security. So there's basically four categories that families or people are, are put into. You're either, you have high food security. You have really no issues, worries about your diet, about having food on your table, healthy food on your table. Uh, then there's marginal, which is still, you're still, you're considered food secure. You might have a question or a doubt every once in a while about uh, food, but you're comfortable, you're fine. And then food insecurity is really in two areas. There's low and then very low. So low is you're often worrying about having enough food and you might have to, you might not have as much money to spend on food as you would like, but you're still able to put some food on the table but it's inconsistent and may not be as much as you actually need. And then very low is you are always concerned about where your next meal is going to come from and having enough food to put on your table. So really we're focused on making sure that the low and very low, the food insecure, their needs are met. And that's done obviously through food distribution sites, food pantries, but we've got lots of different distribution organizations like community centers, senior centers, boys and girls clubs, um, uh, mobile home parks. Um, the heads of those are often really good at working with their communities. There's lots of ways to distribute food to um, food insecure people. And then food resiliency really speaks about the food system's ability to function under stress or disruptions. Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, and we're still experiencing food su or supply chain issues, but especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there was food supply chain issues. The grocery store shelves were empty. I don't know why the toilet paper was all gone. I don't know what y'all people were doing with all your toilet paper, but the shelves for food was also gone. We're a unique bunch here in the DC area. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, so, but grocery store shelves were empty, which made it, which created a problem because people couldn't even buy stuff to donate to the food pantries. So not only did we have a lack of fresh food because it wasn't getting there, the shelves themselves were empty. So you had an increase in food insecurity from the pandemic and the supply going in the opposite direction. So that also created an issue. So we realized that it's great to be focused on food access, making sure people can get food, but we also need to be looking at the resiliency of our local food supply chain and making sure that we constantly have healthy food available to put into the donation stream to make sure um, everyone is, has the opportunity to get um, healthy food. You mentioned your food rescue app a little bit in your conversation. Obviously that speaks to your IT background. Um, maybe yeah. you can share with us how that's kind of changed the game because we've all, you know, heard about organizations, food pantries, refrigerators, places that we can give food to, but it seems to me this application that can go on all of our phones that's really made a difference. It has. And it really was um, something that really jumped out to me with, with 412 Food Rescue. There's other apps, even, even in our region, that, that are used to do food rescue. But um, for me, the Food Rescue Hero app uh, it was so intuitive, so easy to use, to download, create a profile. Um, we've just been very pleased. And we have a great relationship with 412 Food Rescue in Pittsburgh. So as we spun out of Axe, which we just did this last March, um, so that we could launch more food rescue programs, we also needed an app that could grow with us. And the, the app we had that we were using, a Prince William food rescue app, was just for the one county. It had no way to grow with us. 
So 412 actually built an entire new app for us called Northern Virginia Food Rescue, which you can get on the Apple Store Google Play. I encourage you to do it if you haven't. Awesome. Um, create a profile. And what we do is on the back end, we have a team that's building out profiles of all these different types of food donors. So we have grocery stores, restaurants, hospitals, schools, Wawa, Sheets, um, just all kinds of different uh, farmers, farmers markets that have food to donate. And then we also build out the profiles of the, all the food pantries. So we know which pantries are open, which days of the week, and how many about how many families they're serving. So every day of the week, we're managing food that's available. And this is where it needs to go to feed people today. Because like uh, you mentioned, Jason, um, you know, cold storage is an issue or storage is an issue for a lot of the smaller pantries. Um, some of the food we're getting donated from the, from the grocery stores, the shelf life isn't that long, maybe a day or two. It really needs to get a family today and they need to take it home and be able to use it. So it doesn't make sense to send food to a pantry that's not going to serve families for another three or four days. It's going to go to waste sitting in their food pantry. So we really uh, leverage an app to be able to help people in our community know, hey, there's food that could be picked up from this Wegmans and it needs to go to this food pantry that's literally right down the street. But there's no way to get it from the Wegmans to the food pantry. But now a volunteer can use our app to see the rescue and be like, oh, I can do that. I can take, you know, 30, 40 minutes and go to pick up that and drop it off. And so that's really what the app does is it, it, it solves the problem of how do you get that 40% of wasted food to the one in six who are hungry. So really what we're doing is we're not feeding people directly, but we're supporting all of these food pantries and food distribution sites that are already on the front lines feeding people. We're just trying to get more food to them and reduce food waste so that's not going to the landfill. And instead, it's going to a food pantry that can immediately feed people with that food. And if it's not going to the landfill, then it's not decomposing and creating methane gas, which is a greenhouse gas that's being released into our atmosphere. It's estimated that if you were to weigh all of the landfills in the United States, 20% of that weight would be fresh produce that's just rotting. 20%, 20%. weight. So you said 20% are, is fresh produce and it is, it's just been thrown yeah. in there to rot. Yep. So not even food I scraped off my plate, but like really good stuff. It's yeah, it can be, it can be really good stuff. So it's a mix of that. Some of it's a mix of food scraps, but even food scraps don't have to go to the landfill. So we actually use our app to, to uh, divert food scraps to farmers who can feed their animals with that food scraps. So really we're looking at the entire food waste system and trying to prevent as much of it as we can from going uh, to waste. And the first avenue is, is um, for us is redirecting it so that people can eat it. And then we can redirect it to animals. After that is composting, which we don't do, but we definitely encourage people to connect with a local composting company in the area and compost uh, because that's better for the environment as well. Um, so our app really gives us the flexibility of being able to use it for a lot of different reasons, but in the food space. So with our new app, we've been able to now launch into other counties. So we now are in Fairfax. We have a Fairfax food rescue program, the Prince William food rescue program. And hopefully in another two months, we're gonna be launching a Fauquier food rescue program. And then we're just gonna to continue to add um, new community-based food rescue programs throughout all of Northern Virginia, but it'll be within one app, which is fantastic. And that doesn't exist anywhere else right now. There is no regional food rescue model. 
So we're kind of creating something new and um, hopefully with it being successful, um, not only will we be able to really understand food insecurity for the entire region of Northern Virginia, but we'll also understand the food supply that's available from the farms in Fauquier to the community gardens in Fairfax and the rooftop gardens of Arlington. And we'll be able to move that food supply and the donation stream around the entire region. And if this works, hopefully then it become a model that can be duplicated by other regions um, throughout Virginia, throughout the United States. So we're really excited about what we're doing. And you ought to be. Wow. I mean, you, you've got with this application, it seems like it's a big funnel. Um, but in other ways, maybe another way to say it is this, this matrix where here are the people that need, here are the people that can identify supply, here are people that can transport the supply, um, you know, that distribution channel for supply. Uh, that IT background really has yeah. play, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's been is, very helpful. Yeah. Is that the community feeding task force? Is that what you call that? All these people using the app? So no, the people using the app, or we call them our food rescue heroes. Um, the community feeding task force was a result of the pandemic. And okay. what we realized is that while the app helps us move food from a donor directly to a distribution site or from a food pantry to someone's home as a no contact direct delivery, which we do a lot of. We also realized that we needed to be able to get a lot of food in, bulk food in, but it needed to be broken down and then pushed back out in the community. And we needed a space to do that. We needed a way to do that. And so when the pandemic first hit, and now I'm going back to my connection through Leadership Prince William. Okay. All and, right. In my class was the head of emergency management for Prince William County, uh, Brian Meiser. So when the pandemic was first kind of coming online, I was like, food insecurity is going to get really bad really quickly. And I actually called Brian. <laughs> I said, hey, man, what's the county going to do for food insecurity? It's going to get bad. And he was like, tag, you're it. Oh. What do we need to do? So it started this great partnership with Prince William County's emergency management office um, and, and us as an organization. And so together using CARES funding at the time, they secured a warehouse, uh, the county approved funding to buy bulk food. We were working with the USDA's Farm and Family Food Box program. Um, we had volunteers coming in and just building boxes of food. We worked with Capillary Food Bank, who was providing us with boxes of their, of their food to push on the community. So the Community Feeding Task Force really became a centralized place to address food insecurity for the entire county. And because we were already in that space and we already had relationships with a lot of the food distribution sites, it made sense for us to kind of, you know, take the lead on that. Uh, we worked with the Princeton County Community Foundation um, as well. And we went from, you know, doing 50,000 pounds of rescued food a month to now we were rescuing food and we were redistributing in bulk. And so we were supporting over 70 food distribution sites a week during the height of the pandemic. And we were moving 2 million pounds of food a month. Two most million pounds. Okay. Million. <laughs> a month. Most All of right. it from that warehouse. Yeah. So that, so we set up a food helpline um, through the community theme task force that, that we're still running. And so it just, it changed our model from just being food rescue to now also being food redistribution. And so we've, we continue to do that um, today. And so um, we've now rescued uh, 3 million pounds of food since we launched in 2019, Okay, uh, which million. you wouldn't 
think would be that much, but, um, and, you know, we're just getting started into Fairfax um, and we've redistributed another um, almost 17 million pounds of food from our warehouse. Um, so to give you an idea of, of you know, it's, it, it's not just being able to buy bulk food and get that out to the community, which we do, but there's a lot of bulk wasted food. So for instance, uh, two weeks ago, we had a, a tractor trailer or not we, but there was a tractor trailer transporting bananas, pallets, 21 pallets of green bananas to a store. It got rejected by the store because it was late. Nothing wrong with the bananas, nothing wrong with the temperature, nothing. They just rejected it. And so now you have an entire tractor trailer load of bananas that the driver's like, I, I got more, I got another route to run. I need to offload this. What do I do? If they don't have somewhere, someone that can take 21 pallets of bananas, guess where it's going? Garbage. They're the landfill. They're going to dump it out the landfill and the truck's got to get back on the road again. This happens often around the United States. So with our warehouse space, we're able to take on these pallets of bananas. And we also worked with um, Catholic Charities, St. Lucie Project. So they took several pallets. We took a bunch of pallets and then we're able to push that out to our 70 plus distribution partners and get those bananas out. But there's literally nothing wrong with it. But without having a warehouse with loading docks, the ability to receive that much food, it would have just gone right to the landfill. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, Aaron, you have done so much in your career before you even got here. Now you're doing this. I'm wondering, what's your vision for what this can be here in Northern Virginia and maybe Virginia writ large? Yeah. So, I mean, right now I'm focused on getting fuck here food rescue off the ground. Okay. <laughs> now we've got Fairfax and starting, you know, one, one county at a time, but really the idea that we could have a, a community-based food rescue program in every county in Northern Virginia that had, you know, under one umbrella where there was good understanding and communication about the food and security needs of our entire region, that food supply chain, working with our local farmers and supporting local agriculture, um, you know, the, the impact of our environment because we're reducing so much greenhouse gas pollution. Um, that makes me excited. And I, I hope that we can provide a model that successfully addresses an entire region with their food insecurity, but also understanding their food supply that then could be taken and applied to other regions throughout Virginia. Um, one of the other things that I'm involved with is the is a roadmap for hunger that um, was launched by our previous governor here in Virginia. And he, there's um, multiple region identified regions throughout Virginia. And so we're in region eight, and that's Northern Virginia. So if we can figure this out in region eight, then hopefully yeah. other regions around the United States would be like, oh yeah, we can do that as well. We can mimic um, this model. And, and then if we can do that in Virginia, there's no reason why it couldn't be done in other states um, throughout the United States. And we could really make a huge impact, not only on food insecurity and making sure that everyone has access to healthy food, regardless of where you live, what you drive, <laughs> what, what you yeah. do for a living, how much money you make. None of that matters. We can make a huge dent and make sure everybody has equitable food access to food. But we could also do an amazing job at reducing our pollution. 
and our and saving our environment from greenhouse gas pollution. Um, supposedly, and I don't know who the people are that figure all this stuff out because this is way beyond me. Okay. <laughs> They're way smarter than I am. Okay. Um, but if if you were to take uh, the greenhouse gas pollutions from our landfills, it would be the third largest producing country in the world, just the landfills by themselves. Wow. So that yeah. tells you how much is being produced into our environment. And so, you know, understanding that by reducing food waste, we're doing a great service uh, to our planet at the same time. Terrific. And, and I guess that gets into some of your short-term uh, getting Fauquier County up to speed and then your long-term yes. goals. I heard from one of your board members, um, Erica Spaulding, who's doing great work in Prince William yes. County as well, that it was more of a hashtag end hunger in the Commonwealth yeah. of Virginia. Is, is that your true north? Yeah. So, you know, hunger will never go away. Okay. There's too many variables. Um, but what we can do is we can make sure that if someone's hungry, they know where they can go to find a meal. Okay. Um, that we can kind of remove the very low food insecurity, you know, off the that, chart. That tranche, yeah. Yeah, that very bottom. At least we can get rid of that and we can ensure that if you're hungry, you will get food. Um, a, a great quote that, that, I, that I heard um, several years ago was, hunger is just one room in the house of poverty. It just happens to be the room that we're focused on. And the least we can do is make sure that people have a meal at their table. Like of all the things that we need, the least we ought to be able to do for, for, our, for our fellow Americans, for our citizens, for our Northern Virginians, <laughs> yeah. is to make sure that, you know, that, that they've got food to eat. And it's so critical for kids, for children, for students. Um, you know, that's our biggest need right now in our, in our area is the number of food insecure students. Um, so we're supporting multiple schools, building uh, weekend backpacks that are being delivered to schools to hand out to students. Um, you know, if they're, if they're hungry, it affects how they learn. If they're not eating healthy food, it affects their overall health. Um, so there's, there's a lot of trickle down uh, with food as, as the very basis. Well, Aaron, um, you, you've been a CEO for a couple of years in this organization. Don't let us go away without the ask. How can we help all of us watching and all who will watch this presentation in the future? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, you know, be engaged, be engaged in this issue. And if you're in Northern Virginia, download our app, Be a Food Rescue Hero. We're always looking for more uh, volunteers to help uh, move food around. If um, uh, if you have the opportunity to volunteer at a food pantry, a food bank, a food distribution site, they're often looking for volunteers um, to help with their mission. Um, if, if you're connected to a food donor, if you have a business uh, that has food um, and you want to be able to donate it, please let us know. Um, we can help redirect that food so it doesn't go to waste. Uh, caterers, you know, you do an event and there's leftover food. You know, if you're a wedding planner, <laughs> work with your work with your clients. And what are you going to do with all the extra food? And, uh, you know, and contact us about ways that we can help minimize food waste. Um, and obviously, you know, it takes funding to, to run an organization and have staff. I have an amazing team of people. They are top notch and we wouldn't be doing what we're doing without them. But that's what it takes. It takes a few people to to make this happen. 
Um, we're a 501c3, so being able to donate to our organization is, is very helpful and allows us to support so many other organizations uh, throughout the region. And Aaron, I got a question here in the chat. Is Food yeah. Rescue Hero, is that the name of the app? That is the name of the technology. Our okay. app is called Northern Virginia Food Rescue. So if you search for Northern Virginia Food Rescue on the App Store, Google Play, it'll pop up. And I don't know if you can see the logo on my shirt, but it'll look something like that pin drop. Um, but Food Rescue Hero is the technology that's being developed by 412 Food Rescue in Pittsburgh. Um, it's been deployed now throughout the United States and in Vancouver, Canada. I believe there's 16 cities that are using this technology now. Um, we're the only county, we're the only region with our own app um, doing what we're doing. So uh, very proud of that, but yeah. Um, Definitely, if you can if you download it, create a profile, um, love to have you uh, be a food rescue hero. Yeah, I just went to my phone and there are 100 plus downloads. And so uh, we, we got to kick that number up somehow. Uh, well, yeah. let me let me stop the share here. Uh, it's been fantastic having someone like yourself who has done so many things and been a part of so many things and yet willing to highlight such an important issue, raise the stakes here in Northern Virginia. Maybe we can do something really important for the rest of the country. What's one takeaway as, you know, I know as I'm thinking about this app and thinking about the experience of listening to you, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about Ukraine and, and couldn't they use something like this, right, at this critical time in their history. Um, but we, we have the ability to help them. And there are many organizations where we can donate, where we can volunteer, we can fight. Airbnb is doing some cool stuff. So yeah. all of you listening, <laughs> you know, crazy. find a way to help uh, Ukraine if it's in your heart to do yep. so, or at least learn about their issues. Here in Northern Virginia, we can actually see the result of our impact. What is one takeaway, Aaron, that you would like all of the listeners who are here today and that are going to be watching this in the future to just sort of bring home to themselves as they consider hunger and uh, climate impact here in Northern Virginia. Yeah. Um, well, it starts with, with each of us, you know, uh, we create food waste with our purchasing habits. You know, you, you go to the store and you buy a bunch of stuff that you think you're going to use and then it sits in your fridge and you throw it away. <laughs> you, you didn't use it. So, you know, be, be conscious, be wise about how you handle food, how you prepare food, about the food waste that you're creating. And then the second thing is um, be aware of your neighbor. Um, one of the unfortunate benefits of food insecurity going through the roof through the pandemic is that the people that were in high food security in overnight became food insecure of, of no fault of their own. And that's often what happens. We think that people, you know, choose to be or put themselves in put the position to be food insecure, but there are so many just random circumstances that happen. And so be aware of your neighbor and, you know, as a community, let's help each other out. And again, food is an easy way to do that. So um, whether it's, you know, volunteering, um, donating to your local pantry, um, helping out with the distribution, like let's help each other out, let's be a community and let's take care of this very basic need for, for everyone. Be conscious, be wise, be aware of your neighbors, be a community. Aaron Tolson, CEO of Northern Virginia Food Rescue. Thank you so much for being with us. 
Uh, it was a pleasure to have you. And I think everyone was touched by the comments you made about you know, what we can actually do. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. I, I'm honored to be able to be part of your, your uh, production and your, your, your webinar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and to have the opportunity to share this with everybody. So I really appreciate it. And for those of you who stayed to the end, you're here for the surprise. And Aaron doesn't know this. Um, there's an organization called 1% for the Planet that really focuses on essentially giving you or your organization an opportunity to donate 1% of the revenue that you generate to a nonprofit that is really helping the environment in some way or another. Our company, Jason Howell Company, recently signed up for that organization, and we have chosen Northern Virginia Food Rescue <laughs> to donate our 1%. Uh, so we're excited awesome. to do that. We're happy to do it, uh, Aaron. And uh, we just want to be part of the solution that you are providing here in Northern Virginia. So thank oh, you. Oh, that's Aaron. awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's you amazing. Bet. All right. And with that, we will uh, yield the balance of your time. Get out there, uh, download this app, help Aaron with his mission, help those in Ukraine if you have the heart to do so. And we will get together once again. Bye-bye. Thank you.